0: Welcome to Outreach Church. Thanks for checking out this week's message. To hear more, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or visit outreachchurch.net for downloads and service information. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. I, I really, I really feel like someone. Needs, we're going to pass the baskets right now. You can go ahead and just start passing them. Uh, but I do. I feel like someone needs to to know that that you've been tempted to think that well, if I have this promise, then how come this? But the truth is, is that you may have the promise because of that. Like the promise is probably there because of the thing that you're going through so that you have something to hold to. It says we have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Hebrews talks about that, about the hope that we have in him is an anchor for our soul, that we can actually anchor into something greater than ourselves. And that something and that someone is Jesus and his word that he spoke. And 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 know that like he's been there before us like he's not in heaven caught off guard he's not in heaven going oh i wish i would have known they were going to deal with that i would have said something that spoke to them in that moment no he saw everything you would deal with and he spoke what needed to be said to that place and now it's on us to seek him in those times and find him and say god what have you said about this already not God, like, like, I mean, we can seek him for God, what are you saying now? But the chances are he's already spoke something that you can anchor to in the seeking of what are you saying now? It's like, God, what have you already said about this situation? If you were here before me, then you already spoke something that speaks right to where I am. Father, would you show me what I don't see? Because right now I'm tempted to live by what I see. Like, that's a real temptation for us. Like, a real temptation is to live by the things that we see and live sensually and be driven by what we see, what we hear, what we feel, what we've experienced. And, and I'm not saying that, like, we're, we're oblivious to those things. I'm saying that in the middle of those things, there's something greater and it's Jesus. There's one who's greater, it's Him. And He's there. He can always be found. Um, so, I, I don't know. I. I maybe you need to to just to just maybe go back to that place of saying, okay, I'm done taking your word and dragging it to the court of my experience and me being the judge of truth. I'm going to bring my experience to your word and let your word speak and let your word judge what I hold on to and what I, what I let go of. Um, yeah, I thought so. Uh, <laughs> that's not my word. It is. Um, If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 17. This is, uh, I actually preached a part of this, the the Greek um, word revelation that I think God gave me, it's been seven years maybe, it's been a long time, and me and Patty were just talking about this the other day, and she said, man, you should preach that again, and I started, I felt the Lord on it, so I just, I start, how many of you guys know, like, when your wife speaks to you, like, it's a good idea to at least consider it could be the Lord speaking? A few women raised their hands, right? (laughs) No, I'm serious though because listen, like if 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 like we're here and the two are no longer two but one, then that means that like God's speaking the same thing to both of us. It's just sometimes both of us aren't listening. Or sometimes one of us is focused on something and the other one is focused on another thing and one of us hears God's voice first. But when your wife says something to you, or wives when your husband says something to you, like, consider, this may be the Lord speaking. And, and, and don't discount it, and, and, and most of the time it, it probably is. If you have a wife or a husband that's seeking the Lord, like, when they speak to you, it's not just, like, we don't just speak, like, just, just, like, to have something to say. Like, we always have something to say, so we speak. There's a difference. Like, we're not just trying to fill the the room with words or fill the space. We actually have something important to say to each other, and that's why we speak to each other. And so when Patty said that to me, I was like, oh, maybe I should. And I really did feel the Lord. on it. So I started digging into it, and I'm glad I did because I saw some stuff I'd never seen uh, when I preached this. And so Um, Luke chapter 17, it's a super familiar um, story in the Bible for a lot of people. It says, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing through Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, 10 leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he'd been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, We're not the ten cleansed, but the nine. Where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that that you take your word and you make it alive to us, God. That, That it's not just words on a page. It's not just sounds coming from a mouth, God, but it's spirit and it's life. God, it's your truth that you spoke for and that you prompted men to write. And I thank you that as we read from your word, as we teach from your word, that our ears are open, that we would have ears to hear. Jesus, you said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Father, we don't want to be those that just assume because we have the two ears on our head that we have ears to hear. We want to seek you to be those who would have ears to hear what, you're, what the Spirit is saying. And that we have the mind of Christ, that we can understand the revelation that you bring, God, and that that our hearts would be open to receive it, God, that the the seed of your word would bear fruit in our lives, that, that there would be something hanging from our tree, God, that a world that doesn't know you could taste and see your goodness because of the fruit that you're producing in our lives. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so these, these 10 lepers are walking along, and, and this would have been like a leprous colony or, or, or a leprous group, whatever they would have called them. But back then, they would take people that had a similar disorder, and they would group them all together. And those people would then live together because they all had the same dysfunction, and a lot of times they would become pretty tight-knit groups because they spend a lot of time together. And, and, and I, I, as I was reading, I was like, Lord, don't ever let us look at a group of people that look like they're tight and spend time together and think that's a group worth joining because it could be dysfunction that's brought them together. Like if what's brought them together isn't health, but it's actually a common dysfunction, that's probably not a group that you want to be part of, that I want to be part of. And, and so so they would make them stay together. And what would happen is is they had this responsibility, which was this. You are no longer identified by who you are. You're identified by your dysfunction. And your responsibility is to make sure that everybody knows about your dysfunction as soon as they come within hearing distance. Some of us do that without anyone telling us we have to. Some of us have have become so labeled by, and so aware of, and so identified by our dysfunction, by the thing that's wrong, by the hurts, by the wounds by the disappointments, by the betrayals. Some of us have identified ourselves so strongly with that that when someone gets within earshot of us, the thing that they know about us is what's wrong with us. And that's what they made the lepers do. Now people do it without anyone telling them they have to. And so the lepers were forced to live, they were isolated from their families even, like a father couldn't hold his, his wife or his son. It was, it was a brutal thing, this, because they were so afraid of what was on them getting on to, get, what was on the lepers getting on to them, that they made them, go, you guys, we got to be careful that we don't treat people like lepers nowadays, and that we're more impressed by what they have than what we carry. We have to make sure that we don't form little leper colonies where we force people that all have a similar dysfunction to group together because we're afraid that if we get near them, what they carry is greater than what we carry inside of us. We should walk through this life aware of the fact that no matter what dysfunction someone has, the answer of Jesus within us is greater than what's wrong with them. I'm telling you. And these people were, they were living this way. They, they, they had been forced into these colonies. And, and so when people would come, they were supposed to shout, unclean, unclean. And they were supposed to let them know, don't come near us because there's something wrong with us. And what's wrong with us will get on you if you come close to us and you don't want what we have. And so now they've got this group of people. I'm trying, Kenny. You've got this group of people and they see Jesus coming. But they see something that makes them think, I don't care about the religious protocols of the day. I don't care what society tells me. I don't care about the way that I, this would have cost, listen, like don't think this doesn't cost them to step out. Because the truth of the matter is, is sometimes our dysfunction becomes the thing that, receive, that causes us to receive people's pity. It would. Co- they, they would. They would feed the leper colonies because the leper colonies couldn't go out and work in the public place. So they, they received something by identifying with that dysfunction. They received the pity from everybody they saw, and they were kind of like they were treated a little bit differently. And everybody was a little bit ginger with them because of this condition, and they treated them differently. And 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 sometimes there would be people who genuinely started to find comfort within their dysfunction to the point that they liked the dysfunction more than they wanted to be free because freedom would mean I no longer can identify myself by what's wrong, and I have to actually live differently. That's why Jesus said to the man who was lame, do you want to be well? He's telling him, listen, I can do this for you, but it's going to mean that you leave that behind and you live differently once I speak and I change your life. Like, there's a cost to that. You can't sit on a mat and beg anymore to receive your money. You have to actually get up and go and work. Are you sure you're ready to leave everything behind and be well? Count the cost. Because I'm telling you, there's a, there, there is this place, if we're not careful, where we will allow ourselves to become victims, and we'll allow ourselves for so long to label ourselves by the thing that's wrong with us, or the thing that, that was done to us, or the thing that happened to us, or didn't happen for us, that we can become comfortable there to the point where we actually don't really want to be better. We just want everyone to know what's wrong so that we receive their sympathy, their pity, and they treat us differently. And this is, what, this is how a lot of leprechauns, but not this one, because this one recognized something greater than our dysfunction has come down the road, and his name is Jesus. I promise you, it doesn't matter what your dysfunction is. Someone greater than your dysfunction is walking towards you, and his name is Jesus. And when you get to the place where you don't care about what you have to leave behind and you don't care about the religious protocols of the day and you don't care about any of that stuff and all you want is to be better and you cry out, have mercy on us. The man Jesus will come to you where you are and he will touch you. I promise you. Because when we get to a point where we're so desperate that what society thinks and what people think and what the religious leaders of the day thought, listen, the religious leaders of the day were the ones who they had to isolate themselves from the most. The priests, the ones whose job it was, whose profession it was to spend time in the presence of the Lord, they were the ones who the lepers were the least likely to ever encounter. God help us if in the church, the people who are supposed to be spending time with the Lord and and acting in a position of authority can insulate and isolate themselves from the people who need what they supposedly carry the most. I'm telling you, you have to be aware of what you carry, but you also have to be aware of this. Jesus, you realize like how many times Jesus was going from one place to another and he encountered people and ministered to them. Like it wasn't like Jesus was like, they were like, have mercy on us. And Jesus was like, oh, I'll have mercy on you. Don't worry. Meet me at, this, at, the, at the tabernacle on the Sabbath at 1030. I'll have mercy for you then. I love that things happen here. I'm, I, I love even more that more things happen out there than happen in here. If the majority of what we see God do happens in here, something's wrong because we spend a fraction of our time here and the majority of our time out there. Come on. I'm telling you. So, so, so these, these lepers, I, I don't know how many times Jesus walked by a leper colony and maybe they shouted unclean, 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 and they, maybe they even went away. Maybe they even saw Jesus and they just walked a different way because they weren't aware of who he was or they thought what they had was greater than the power that he carried. And so they went away, but not this time. Not these guys. Instead of shouting unclean, 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 they approach Jesus and they say, have mercy on us. Jesus, master, have mercy on us. What are they saying? They're saying Jesus, master, Jesus, You're greater than this. Would you have mercy on us? And Jesus looks at them. What does he say to them? Go show yourselves to the priest. You realize that's a big deal. Like, that's not like, oh, cool, yeah, go show yourselves to the priest. No, this is saying go and approach the very ones whom you were told you are never to approach because of your uncleanness. Go do the thing that everybody tells you you can't do because of your dysfunction. Some of us need to go do the very thing that society tells us we can't do because of our dysfunction, that the world tells us, that the enemy tells you you can't do because of your dysfunction. Some of us need to actually go and do that thing and just step out in faith and say, I'm not going to live according to what I've been labeled by. I'm going to live according to every word that proceeds from his mouth. And he called me into this, so I'm stepping into it no matter the dysfunction of my past. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, listen, I want you to go do the very thing that your dysfunction would say you can't. And it would have taken faith. I mean, first of all, it took faith for them to to step out and, and, and cry out to him and not do what society required of them. And then it took faith for them to start walking. And look what happens when they start walking. They begin to walk. And as they go the leprous condition that was on their skin disappears and they're cleansed. And suddenly, everything's changed. Because now I could go and hug my wife. I could hold my children. There's nowhere that I couldn't go. There's no place. I don't have to tell people that I'm unclean anymore because I'm no longer unclean. The way that I live has changed. Everything changes as they walk and step in faith according to what Jesus called them to. But here's the thing. Only one of them, only one of them was more grateful for the one who did it than for what he did and returned to say thank you. Only one. Guys, how many times do we pray for something, pray for something, pray for something, and then when it happens, we're more excited about what's happened and living in the fruit of what's happened than we are about the fact that he actually moved on my behalf and he deserves my thankfulness and my gratitude. You have your entire life to live in what he's done for you. You have one moment to take that time right there and acknowledge, I didn't deserve this at all. This was your goodness and your grace and your kindness and your mercy towards me. Thank you. One man, Two times it tells us that he was a Samaritan or a foreigner. So the Jewish people, the children of promise, the people who were expecting a Messiah, the ones who felt like they deserved because they were gods, maybe they had a little bit of entitlement. Maybe they felt like they were owed this. And so when God moved on their behalf, rather than being thankful, it was actually something that they weren't even thankful for because they felt like it was something they were entitled to and that they deserved because of who they were. Be careful that you discovering who you are in Christ doesn't lead you to a place of entitlement where you feel like you deserve something to the point where when he moves, it no longer brings you to a place of thankfulness. Look, I'm all about us discovering the promises that we have from God, but believe this. Just because it's something that he promised does not mean it's something that you deserve. It's only by his grace, which means that every time he moves, our position of our heart should be, Father, we're so thankful. Not, well, of course he did. We're Jews. Come on. Well, of course he did. We're we're children of God. Why wouldn't he? All of a sudden, you've stepped from faith, and it's a fine line. It's a fine line from going, listen, faith does bring expectation. Like we read his word, we see his promises, and so we do have this hope, which is the the joyful anticipation of good. But that that expectation that's caused by faith should never move into entitlement where when he actually moves, there's a lack of thankfulness in our hearts. And so this one man decides to return to him and tell him, thank you. Jesus looks at him and says, I wrote this down. I want to just read this for you. When we see ourselves as entitled to grace, we will become less thankful and more entitled every time we receive his grace. If we see ourselves in a place of entitlement and deserving of his grace, every time he shows his grace towards us, we'll become a little more entitled, a little more proud, a little more deserving in our own mind. And it will start to become about us rather than a revelation of his goodness. We'll start to see it as a revelation of our worthiness to receive. And then it's no longer grace. It's works. And the wages, the wages of sin is death. What do you get a wage for? Something you worked for. If you're claiming that it came because of what you've done, it's not grace. It's a wage. And the wage of that is death. Something starts to die. Probably our appreciation and our gratitude for the Father might be the first thing that starts to die. You start getting a little bit more proud, a little bit more, well, of course he moved. Why wouldn't he? I prayed. Are you kidding me? You can't even have breath come out of your lungs if he doesn't give it to you. You can't even form a word apart from the fact that he gave you the ability to. And you don't even know that he exists and that he's good and that you can pray to him if he hasn't revealed himself to you. Let this sober us a little bit. I'm serious, because, you know, look, we talk a lot about identity and who we are in Christ and all those things and knowing the covenant that we have with God, and I believe 100% in all that, and I think it's amazing, and I think that it should build an expectation of his goodness, but that expectation should never turn to entitlement. It should always be something where every single time he moves, we're so thankful and grateful that we go to him before we think about enjoying the blessing that he's given. Because what matters to us is that you moved on my behalf. What matters after that is then I'll walk in what you've moved on. And so this guy comes to him and Jesus looks at him, he says something super interesting to him. He says, were there not 10 cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Do you think Jesus is literally like wondering like, hey, where are they? No, this is like God when he said to Adam, where are you? He's saying, what's going on in their hearts? Why are they where they are? This isn't like Jesus trying to figure this out and going, wait a minute, weren't there, wasn't there 10? John, wasn't there 10? Oh yeah, there was 10. Well, where are the other nine? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying like, why is there only one person that's back here to give thanks after my father moved and they had their leprosy taken away. What if stewarding the reward of God looks like we're just as desperate to get back to his feet to thank him as we were to get to his feet to ask him for the thing we're thankful for? Think about that. What if a true measure of where our heart is is how desperate we are to get back to him to thank him compared to how desperate we were to get to him to ask him Like, we'll desperately seek him in a leprous season. Like, trust me, things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. Like, if you haven't faced hardship, if you haven't faced betrayal, if you haven't faced disappointment or discouragement, if you haven't faced somebody not doing what they should or doing what they shouldn't, if you haven't faced natural disasters, if you haven't faced the effects of living on a cursed earth that has not been redeemed yet, it's coming. Like the storm's coming to the wise man and to the foolish man. It doesn't say the fool the wise man built his house on rock so the storm went around him. We wish it did. We wish it was like well they you know two men built their houses on the on and one built on sand, you know one was and one was built on the rock and and the one who was built on sand the storm came and it blew his house down. The one who lived on the rock looked over and saw the storm and was like, "Oh, thank you Lord that it's always sunny at my house." That's not how the story goes. The storm came to both houses. The storm's coming at some point in every one of our lives. Believe me. And you'll seek him in those seasons pretty naturally. Because in a leprous season, when there's nothing else, it's pretty easy to cry out, Have mercy on me. Because what else are you going to do? And there's nothing wrong with that. But what happens when he moves and the leprosy disappears? How great is your need to get back to his feet at that point? Is it as great as the need was before the leprosy went? Like, that's a good heart check for us. How badly do I need to get to Jesus to thank him for the thing I badly needed to get to him for and ask him for? And so Jesus looks and he says, We're not 10 cleansed, but the nine, where are they? Was no one found? who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. Jesus calls thankfulness giving glory to God. You know why? Because when something happens in our lives, we have to give credit to someone. And when we thank him, it's our way of saying, I understand that this is a revelation of who you are and your goodness, not because of the things that I've done right and my goodness, I'm not saying you didn't do anything to position yourself, but ultimately you can position yourself all day long. If heaven doesn't move, nothing happens. And so the part that's possible is yours. The part that's impossible is his. And so when something like that happens, the person we thank or don't thank actually either gives glory to him who deserves all the glory, or we start to keep a little bit of that glory for ourselves because we start to think, well, I don't know if it's so much because God's so good. What about all the things that I've done? I fasted and I prayed. Come on. And you may not say that, like, like, I promise you that the people, the the 10 lepers, the nine that didn't return, didn't say like out loud, probably like, why would we go thank him? Obviously, this is because we're so amazing. Like what we won't say with our lips, we'll say with our lives. And so while they may not have ever admitted that with their lips, like, well, of course we got, we're the children of promise, we're Jews, of course we got saved. If he is the Messiah, obviously he would would heal us. The Samaritan, of course he's freaking out, he doesn't deserve it. See, we look at people and we start to think who deserves and who doesn't. Oh, if you ever get in that position, believe me, you're so far into pride. Because now you've become the arbiter of who deserves God's goodness as if you know. Be careful, because with the standard that you measure, it'll be measured to you. That's what Jesus said. When Jesus looks at him and he says, not one res- returned to give glory to God except this foreigner. He said to him, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. There's a, um, there's, an interesting, there's an interesting word in there. And this is the thing that God I, I showed me a while ago, and it's blown my mind since. He says, weren't the ten cleansed? He said, weren't the ten caterizo in the original language, which we, we write cleansed or, or healed in our English language, but the word actually means purged. It means, didn't the ten all have something taken away from them? Didn't they all have something that wasn't supposed to be there that was harming them taken away from them? But only one came back here to give glory to God. And he looks at him and he says, stand up. Your faith, your belief in me. See, when we don't thank him, it's because our belief is in something other than him. Because he said, your faith. He called coming back in thankfulness, faith. Because it revealed what he believed he said, your faith has made you sozo, whole, healed, saved, delivered. So what is he saying in our language? He says, because of my goodness, all of them had something that didn't belong to them taken away. But because of your thankfulness, your gratitude, your faith, your belief in me, you actually get something that you didn't have given to you. Think about this. What if every single one of us has missed out on the more because we didn't return to thank him for the first part? What if he considered the miracle incomplete until what happened in their skin actually made its way into their heart? See, I promise you, we, we talked about this a second ago, I'm telling you, hard times are going to happen. Like, you're going to go through hard things. You're going to face tough things. You're going to face things that you can't face on your own. And here's the deal. like The, the nine basically were restored to who they were before the season of leprosy. That was the best they got. The best that they got was your return back to the place that you were before the leprosy. The leprosy has gone and you are the person that you were before you got into the leprosy season. Your return to being the person that you were. So many of us want to go back to who we were before the hard time. We want to go back to the way things were. You don't want to go back there because back there is not his best. That's simply him removing the thing that's causing the problem. Where you want to be is on the other side of that coming out of it with more than you went into it with. And this is what Jesus says. He says, listen, nine of them had the leprosy taken away from them, but one of them because he kept his heart in a place of gratitude and because he actually cared more about coming to me than enjoying the thing that I did. He actually gets something given to him that he didn't have when he entered into the leprosy season. Like, what if everything that you go through, Jesus is there, and he's not just there with the answer, to taking and removing or restoring the thing that's wrong. He actually has something to give you that you can walk out of that with so that you're better than you were before you entered. I'm going to close with this. I just want to challenge you guys. What if every single time you find yourself in a situation where you need him, he has more than you know, and that him just taking away the problem is the least of what he wants to offer? What he wants to do is actually give you something during that season that you can carry for the rest of your life that's added to you, not just removing the thing that was causing the problem. See, the the lepers, they walked around with this condition on their skin that everybody could see. And it was super obvious to to everybody when they got healed. Like if you saw a person who had leprosy one day and you saw them healed the next day, like that was completely obvious. There's there's something obvious about about when, when we accept the forgiveness of sins, the removal of shame and guilt and all the things that we were never meant to have to begin with. But what if that's like the starting point for what Jesus wants to do in your life, not the end? Like what if he says, hey, I want to take away the shame. I want to take away the guilt. I want to take away the sin. I want to take away the stain of sin off of your life. You were never meant for that to begin with. You were created in the image of God and the fall is what got you that way. And now you have something on you that never belonged to be on you. And if you come to me and you ask me and you, give, and you place yourself in front of me and you ask me to receive what I've died on a cross for you to receive, you'll get that. And I'll take everything away that was never supposed to be there. I'll take your, your scarlet robe and I'll make it as white as snow. But I don't want you to just run away and go live life without the stain. Thankful that the stain's gone. I want that to bring you to a place of loving me and worshiping me and thanking me for what I've done. Because if you come back here, there's more that I want to give. I don't want you to just get a fix. I don't want to just take away. I have so much I want to give you. But I need you to want me after I've done the thing you wanted me to do. I want you to want me after I've healed the thing that was broken. I healed that broken thing out of my goodness to show you who I am, to draw you to me, not to send you on your way, never to return back. I didn't do that so that you could walk away. I did it so you could walk towards me. I didn't heal you so that you could go away. I healed you so that you would be comfortable coming before me because you no longer have this issue that's separating you from humanity and keeping you from thinking that you can approach me. I want you to boldly come into my throne room in the time of need. I don't want to just set you free and then you run away and never come back to where I am. I set you free so that you could come to me with clear conscience and confidence, with a veil opened and see me and have intimate communion with me. Not just go and enjoy the fact that you don't feel guilty anymore. I took that out of the way so that you would feel comfortable approaching me and not having to shout unclean, unclean, unclean. God, would you just would you just wreck our hearts with thankfulness for you? Guys, what if every day we looked for what we could be thankful for rather than what we could complain about? Like, what might that change if in every situation that we found ourselves in, we looked for what could I be thankful for in this situation? What can I thank him for? You know why it would change everything? Even if, you, even if nothing changed on the outside, your heart would change because you're actually looking for him. And once you look for him, you find him. And now all of a sudden, in the middle of that problem, you've found the answer, and his name's Jesus. Jesus. And just being with him and just knowing that he's there changes your heart, even if it doesn't change the situation immediately. So Father, would you do that in our hearts? Would you show us anywhere where we're walking in a, in a gift from you, God, without the thankfulness that you long for it to bring? Would you show us any place in our heart, God, where we've become entitled? God, where we feel like we deserve your blessing rather than being thankful would you show us, God, any places where, where we look around and, and decide that, that maybe other people would be thankful for that, but because of what we've done and because of who we are and because of our fasting and our praying and our holiness and our reading the word and our praying for the sick and all the things that we do, God, as a response to your love, not to receive your love, God, would you show us if there's any place where that's made us feel entitled to something and caused us to lose our thankfulness for your goodness and for who you are? God, we don't just want to receive things being taken away, spots being healed, robes being mended, scarlet being turned to white, God. We don't just want to to have what was never to be taken away. We want to receive what was always meant for us to have. We want to be sozo. We want to be whole, saved, healed, delivered, doing well. In Jesus' name, Amen.